Hello there, and thanks for joining me on the podcast. The marriage decision. That's my topic. You know, we make decisions in life on all kinds of things. Sometimes we just impulsively make decisions. Sometimes we weigh our decisions enormously. We seek counsel. We sleep on the options. We write down on a piece of paper the various options and the consequences. We consult our friends. We think about it, and and so on. We make decisions all day long, every day, but one of the most important decisions that a person can make, and that is the choosing of his or her spouse. You know, that's not an easy decision, and it's not one that comes quickly and comes easily, but it was one that unfolds over the course of time and in the course of history of a person's life. Decision to marry is a mutual decision. It's a decision that many people enter into. We often think, well, it's up to the wife or the husband to make their decision, or the girl, the guy, to make their decision as to who they marry. But actually, the marriage decision is entered into by many, many different people. It's usually entered into by the parents as well. So it's the couple plus parents, often grandparents, friends, people you work with, associates. That decision is a weighty one, and it's one that often is entered into with a great deal of discussion and consultation, and thought, and prayer, and just the idea of weighing the various implications of the marriage and the marriage with a particular person. So how do you go about choosing? What are the factors that one enters into when making that decision about, is this the person to marry? You know, most decisions we make in life as a family originate around a table. Usually the breakfast table, the dinner table, the lunch table, the dining room table, the kitchen table of a home. A table is usually a place where people come together, learn and consider and think through and make decisions, make plans and move forward in their life in many different ways. The decision to marry is no different. It's generally considered. It's generally decided. It's generally affirmed around a table, the kitchen table, if you will. And all the people that enter into it, are those that are invited into that decision, and then a final decision is made. So who do you marry? Who should be your spouse? It's a joint decision. It's a family decision. Parents have a responsibility. From very early life, from very early time in a person's life, their children's life, to talk about marriage. Marriage isn't something you talk about when a person hits 20 or 21 or 23 or whatever it is. The time to talk about marriage is when a child is three. or four, five, six, whatever. And you talk about the importance of marriage. You talk about the value of marriage. You talk about the people of marriage. You talk about your marriage. You talk about your background, your decision, how you came to be married as a couple, and so on. In other words, it's round the table, but it's done in early life and throughout a child's life. So when it comes to the point of making a decision, there's already been a lot of discussion carried forth about that particular decision. So parents, start the process. If you're not talking about marriage and your kids are into junior high school and high school and you haven't yet talked about marriage, you're behind the eight ball. You're delayed. You're a slow learner. You're a slow talker. Get going. Start the discussion. Start the uh, open discussion about what marriage is and values of marriage and importance of marriage and who not to marry and who to consider marrying and give your advice and give your ideas. It's an important one to do, and it's important to do early on. Don't wait until the last six months before a person actually 
comes forward and say, we're going to get married. Now all of a sudden you're going to talk about it? Way too late. Get going on it early on. But here's a couple principles. Here's a couple points that <clears throat> a young couple should consider as they think about marriage. And a family should consider in the talking about marriage around the kitchen table. You know, generally speaking, it's better to be single than it is to be married in an unwise marriage. In a marriage that is just wrong. A marriage that is just incompatible. A marriage that is just doomed to failure. Marriage is a carefully decided decision, but it's got to be done wisely. And maybe the option is singleness. Maybe that's the option. Maybe it's better. Don't take a chance. Don't take a great risk. Don't just marry somebody because you've been high school sweethearts or whatever. It's got to be a wise marriage, a proper marriage, an intended marriage, and a marriage that's going to be with longevity. You know, my wife and I have been married now 50 years, and um, it's an important decision to make. It's a long-term decision. Well, here's another principle <clears throat> that's important to consider, and this is particularly for the man. Do you like the wife's mother? Do you like the mother of your intended wife? Do you like the mother of your girlfriend? Do you like the mother of your fiancé? You see, girls, as they grow up and as they grow older and they become women, become like their mothers in many different ways. Personality, characteristics, traits, styles of decision-making, styles of spending, and so on. So do you like her mother? And if you do, well, that's a positive factor. If you don't, you're in trouble right from the get-go because you're going to be facing the traits and qualities and lifestyle and patterns of behavior of her mother through the rest of your life. So weigh that one considerably. Do you like her mother? Now here's another one, and both of you need to consider this one. Does the marriage and will the marriage allow you and facilitate a deeper commitment to the values and the career and to the plans and the goals and the objectives that you have for life, for your life, as you look forward into the future? You know, will this marriage facilitate your career? Will the marriage facilitate your personality? and blossom it and become mature and full and effective? Will a marriage add a quality to your life that no other way will that quality come to you, both the girl and the guy? Both of you have to look at it in the sense of, will the marriage bring you deeper into your faith? Will the marriage bring you deeper into your value system? Will the marriage bring you deeper into your commitments to career and to social justice and to the development of a community orientation and volunteerism and whatever it is that you are planning to become and participate in. That's an important one. Make sure that the marriage brings you into just a, being a deeper, dedicated person with greater maturity and greater personal strength. But here's another one that's important uh, for you as well. You know, marriage should only be between people who have become best friends. You know, maybe not your only friend, but your best friend. For the girl, yes, many friends, but he should become your potential best friend. For the guy, yes, you're gonna leave a lot of your friends and she needs to become your best friend. You may have male best friends, but they have to go. You have to loosen those relationships. Your wife becomes your best friend. Your husband becomes your best friend. It's that commitment to each other in the sense of friendship. And what a wife, why is friendship important? Well, friendship is important because you're going to spend a lot of time together. 
Friendship's important. You're going to go a lot of places together. Friendship's important because you're going to talk a lot together. Friendship is important because you're going to spend a lot of time alone together, where you're not going to have friends and other people in your life. Friendship is important because it will make you become a full person, will help you become a full person. So you want somebody who is potentially going to be your best friend. It's kind of like you should marry a gal who plays tennis, if you play tennis, because now you'll have a forever tennis player in your family and as a partner. Or if it's not tennis, maybe it's soccer, or maybe it's badminton, or maybe it's chess, or maybe it's cribbage, or, you know, whatever it is. As best friends, you share interests in common, and you engage in those interests together. That's why a best friend is extremely important. You want to spend, you're going to spend a lot of time together, and you want to make sure that that time together is quality time because you like this person as your best friend. Okay? Now, here's another one that's very important. You not only have to burn your bridges, but you have to add onto your home or your apartment an infirmary. Now, here's what I mean by that. Both of you come into your marriage having had previous relationships. Both of you come to marriage having previous intimate relationships, perhaps. Both of you come to the marriage having many previous friends. Maybe even some of those friends were considered as a potential partner. Both of you come into the marriage having had relationships with people. Maybe you've been writing emails and communications back and forth and shared life and shared experiences and shared worries and shared anxieties and fears you know, to, together with other people. When you come together and you marry your person, your choice person, you burn those bridges. You burn those bridges and you announce it and you communicate it and you keep that commitment. That bridge is burned. But there's another factor to it. You add an infirmary to your house, to your apartment. What does that mean? Well, it means this, that the marriage is forever and it's until death do you part. The vow generally includes in sickness and in health. So if you are going to be in a relationship, you have to be prepared for sickness. That's why you have an infirmary in your house. You have to be prepared for ill health. You have to be prepared for times of down... Uh, or downtime, so that the energy becomes focused and becomes healthy. An infirmary is to take care of the sick, but it's to help the sick get well. So do, your, do you think in terms of having an infirmary as part of your living arrangement? Do you, have, do you think of an infirmary as part of your relationship? Because remember, the vow says, and you'll probably use this vow in your marriage, in sickness and in health. So burn your bridges and build an infirmary. Very, very important. You know, but here's another factor, and it's common. You don't marry someone with the objective or with the plan that somehow you're going to change him or her to be the person you want that person to be. You know, you're not going to change. If you marry a man that is a mother's boy, that's going to be forever. If you marry a man that consults his mother on all decisions, that's what it's going to be. You're not going to change that. You say, if you marry a man that's violent, you're not going to change that. If you marry a man that's hostile and angry and abusive, Disrespectful? You're not going to change that. Don't marry because you like somebody's look or their physique. You don't do that. You marry somebody because you like them the way they are, because that's the way they're going to be. And if a person is a good person, he'll only become better. If a person is a bad person, he'll only become better, worse. So you have to kind of think of it in the sense of the marriage has to be solid on the base of what a person is at the time. 
don't view a marriage as being a relationship with somebody that will become the person that you will like, that will become the person that you will appreciate, that will become the person that you'll be able to love. No. It starts out, and that's the way it's got to be at the beginning. So those are some of the factors you want to take into account when you look at the whole area of marriage. It's a journey. It's a big journey. It's a delicate journey. It's a tough one. But you know, when it all said and done, it comes down to this fact. The vows you make to each other. The vows that you write out and make to each other. I've seen marriages in which the wife writes her vows and his vows for him. Uh-uh. That's not a marriage. That's like being a consultant and having a contract. You don't do that. He writes his vow. It's got to come from his heart. It's got to come from his mind. It's got to come from his background. It's got to come from his base of experience. It has to come from his expectations of what he desires and wants within the relationship and what he's prepared to give, what he's prepared to contribute to the relationship. And she has to do the same thing. She writes a vow from her background, what she's willing to contribute, what she's willing to give, what she wants to receive in the relationship. And it goes back and forth. Vows are not just what one is going to receive, but it's what one is also going to give and contribute to the other person. So vows are a big deal. And if you are looking at a marriage and one of the couple, the man or the woman, does not want to write them, you might want to walk away because there's no commitment. There will be no vows. All he'll be doing is reading some kind of a script, or she'll be reading some kind of a script. You want that? A vow is a heart communication. It's a gut communication. It's a brain communication. It's a commitment. It's a desire. It's a promise. It's a full entrance into the relationship between two people without, qualifica without qualifications and without doubt. So you're out there looking at marriage. Consider these factors. What is it that really is the basis of the marriage that you have or that you're intending to have? What are the factors that are stumbling points in your marriage or will be a stumbling point in the marriage you're going to enter into or plan to enter into? What are the factors that would represent weakness in your relationship or do represent weakness in your relationship? What are the factors that represent strength? What are, the, what are the factors that represent hope? What are the factors that represent despair in your relationship? You see, it's not an easy decision. You have to look at it both sides. You know, if there's despair, why? What's going on? What's happening? Why should there be despair? Because when there's despair, there's no hope. But does your marriage, as you look at it and you move forward, does it have hope? And does that eliminate the idea of despair? Hope changes despair but you have to have that you have to commit to that it's mutual hey good to talk thanks for the uh, opportunity to share this very important factor with you if you're looking at marriage so share this podcast with somebody in your life that's about to be married or that has been newly married so that they will have opportunity to rethink and maybe make some changes you know, already taking place in their marriage. And I would recommend, if there's any stumbling factor, if there's any doubt, if there's any hesitancy, get into a counseling program right away. Consult a professional marriage counselor. Make sure that that is on your agenda. 
if there's any hesitancy whatsoever on the points that I have gone through today. Bye for now.